1: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
0: Studio At
4: the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The
5: Armstrong and Getty. It's a combination, I think, of idiocy and cynicism.
4: <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: So, uh, getting back to our series of the heart is the stupidest uh, muscle, our stupidest <laughs> organ. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: The heart and its dumb, dumb decisions. Oh. Yes.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, this Casanova scammer guy has admitted to stealing a million dollars from women uh, on dating apps. He's on trial. This guy, uh, Brian Wedgworth, is his name. He pictured himself. Uh, his his picture for dating apps was usually in a white lab coat, and he claimed he was a surgeon who attended all sorts of your most prestigious schools, Johns Hopkins, etc. Um, and, and once the gals got to talking to him, they might have found him even more desirable. He had no debts, he'd tell them. He was so financially stable, in fact, that he insisted on paying off their debts. Wow. Wait a minute. My dream come true. Prince Charming has come to my rescue. What these women didn't know, however, was that Wedgworth's profile and generous offer were a tool to suck them in and then steal their money, according to investigators.
3: Have you never heard of Too Good to be True or... This is,
2: yeah, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to be gentle, Jack, and I encourage you to take the same feel to this story because when people fall in love, sometimes they make dopey decisions. I never have. Or if they're lonely, uh, sometimes they get a little desperate-ish. Mm. I never have.
3: You know, but, I, I've mm. never, I've never really been in that situation of like, you know, uh, real loneliness, not much, chance for finding someone that would be that'd be tough i gotta admit that would have to be tough and if
2: you think wow not only have i found someone but they're wonderful your stupid stupid heart or whatever part of your brain if you want to get all technical is gonna flood itself with these pleasure chemicals in a way that just is irresponsible stupid stupid brain Anyway, over the, here's how he did it. And, and yes, there's a lot of Lovelorn dopiness here, but over the span of about four and a half years, using approximately 13 aliens, the aliases on seven dating apps, he defrauded at least 40 victims across oh. at least seven states.
3: Wow. Was he a particularly good looking guy or? Pretty good looking guy, yeah. That yep. helps. He's 46 years old,
2: uh, pleaded guilty to a bunch of counts. Um, Let's see. It comes on the heels of Netflix' popular documentary, "The Tinder Swindler," um, about this guy. I think I don't want to well, be. No, no, it's it's it follows the exploits of a different guy who did similar stuff.
3: I don't want to be you know pile onto the hurtfulness, but it was he a pretty good looking guy that was claiming to have fallen for people that generally wouldn't date in his league. Doesn't get into that because that's a cruel and, and terrible thing to even break up, to
2: bring up. And I asked you to be more kind. I asked you. I'd ask you to be gentle on this. Although I'm going to get into the particulars of how the scam worked. And I think you'll get it a little more. Uh, So, uh, this guy moved from state to state, pulling off the scam. Um, He was convicted of identity fraud and forgery in Georgia and spent over a year in prison. While incarcerated, he continued the romance scam. Well, you got to do something in jail. What are you supposed to do, whittle? So, this Wedgeworth character created dating profiles on, get ready for this now, Match, Plenty of Fish, Christian Mingle, Hinge, Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel, and The League, the indictments say. I haven't
3: even heard of half of those.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. Under varying names, he presented himself as a physician who worked for, was uh, educated at Harvard, Johns Hopkins, Wild Cornell Medical Cedars Sinai. I
3: feel like he went too far. I'm a doctor who worked at Harvard. It just seems like you're really, really going too far, but it worked for him.
2: On a few occasions he showed women fake pay stubs, including one from twenty nineteen that purportedly showed he made over five hundred and eighty-five
3: grand that year. I don't have a concept of how widespread online dating is. It's it's much, much more than it used to be, I'm aware. Oh, yeah. I I've, I've never done it. But is it common for a Harvard doctor to need to use online dating to meet people? It just doesn't seem like it would be.
2: Gosh, I wouldn't know, but yeah, I see your point. He would often meet with the women in person to gain their trust. He got access to their personal information when He offered to pay off their debts. He'd say, look, I got plenty of money. I hate to see you struggling like this. What do you owe the bank? 30 grand? All right, no problem. Just, and here it comes. Give me your banking and loan information, including your account number and your login and your password and your personal identification number, including your full name, date of birth, and social security (laughs) number, and I will
3: pay off that debt. I am so fortunate that I met a Harvard-educated doctor who's wealthy and good-looking, who is willing to pay off my debt if I will only give him this information. I am really struggling to be charitable with these people.
2: But wait, wait, there's one more twist. Now, yes, we're into you've made a terrible decision because your heart neutralized your freaking frontal lobe, all right? But then he would send electronic payments to the accounts. Whether they be credit card companies, mortgage lenders, or other creditors, using bank accounts that had insufficient funds or were previously closed, but he caused the women to receive notifications from their lenders and creditors that payments were made mm-hmm. and the debts were paid in full. When in fact, you know, before too long, everybody figured out. Whoa, wait, no, they weren't.
3: That would buy him some time, certainly. Right. Exactly. That would take. Geez, what? Well, that would take maybe 90 days before you'd find that out i don't know how that
2: works you know i almost wish uh, judy was available i'd call her right now and get her on the air but um because she's a, the
3: banking whiz but i would think that payment would bounce out would error out but yeah it would pretty quickly but i, I wonder how long before they would uh, before you would get a letter in the mail well, and before the women found
2: out their debts were not actually paid, this guy would get them to send him money. Sometimes he'd say, Oh my God, they froze my bank account because of medical malpractice lawsuits, or he was short on cash after paying off their debts. And he would be like, You know, I paid off your $30,000 car. Can you lend me 500 bucks until next week? <laughs> So prosecutors say this Wedgeworth uh, character persuaded the women to withdraw cash or deposit funds into a bank account under a different name from the one he was using, claiming they belonged to a non-existent business partner or assistant. If at this point you don't say to yourself, wait a minute, Prince Charming just paid off my debt, but now he needs money. I'm going he through needs-
3: kind of a slow spot in my whole Harvard doctrine.
2: <laughs> he needs all of my information, but he needs me to wire money to a third party because his account is frozen because of a what now? Oh, a malpractice suit. Right. Yes hmm and sometimes he persuaded women to buy him expensive jewelry including rolex watches on the promise that he'd pay him back as soon as you know that lawsuit's done
3: all right i don't know what to do for you if you're buying him a freaking rolex
2: yeah i know
3: uh so they apparently had some of them had some money um did he sex any of them up or was he only in for, in it for the money that's funny they don't
2: get into that not a single word in this article which is rather complete about uh, whether indeed uh, he got a little bingo bango on uh, as long as he was, you know, robbing him.
3: Maybe he has uh, no interest. I'm guessing, in that. well, I'm guessing he did. I would think if they're willing to, you know, if they're d- that far down the road that they're giving them all the bank information. They... Well,
2: and if you're a scammer and that's what it takes to keep them on the hook, I mean, unless they're truly, you know, and I, again, I don't want to be cruel, but unless it would be very difficult to do that, um, you know, why not?
3: As, as, long a as, you as long as you didn't find them physically unappealing, you'd... to
2: the point that you're risking upsetting the scam. Although obviously some of these gals were kind of soft headed, and he could probably say, "Well, you know, I'm just getting over monkeypox and I have lesions on my wang." So, for instance, as it turns out, that is how you get it.
3: Why did you It's have... sexually transmitted. Why? So, the, the great transition back into monkeypox. Um... <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> We we have been talking about this for so long, and it's always tough. On one hand, you need to have, well, stupid should hurt. We have t-shirts that say stupid should hurt. It's mm-hmm. good for the herd if stupid should hurt. And for the individual,
2: sadder but wiser.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things I'm better at now are because of some stupid things I did in my life. And if I'd been... Uh, kept somehow from feeling the pain of my stupid decisions i'd i'd still be doing the stupid things probably
2: there's certainly a greater chance that you would yeah so in aggregate for a society stupid should hurt men. anyway this guy the guy's going to prison for quite a long time or at least he might which is good don't be preying on poor gals are just looking for love you scumbag and
3: men or women i know it's the heart is the stupidest organ it is the stupidest it's, it's blind reality. But if you ever find somebody coming on to you who has normally, throughout your whole life, not been in your league, you gotta, you know, just slow her down a little bit. Something's up. Something is up. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, do we did we get a total? Do we know how much money he got total? If a guy asks
2: you to buy a Rolex for him, that's not a present. That's a demand. (laughs) For instance. (laughs) Hey, uh, what do you think of the old buying me a Rolex?
3: Oh, I'd love to, sweetheart. That's that's not a good relationship. Yeah, I was, was going to call you at 10 o'clock yesterday, but then I looked at my wrist and I realized, dang it, I don't have a watch at all. So uh, I don't know what time it is at all.
2: I don't know when to call. <laughs> so anyway, any chance you could give me a Rolex?
0: Armstrong
4: and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my fancy- Armstrong and Getty show.
2: A big article in the New York Times recently about the BBL craze. Uh, uh, That's the Brazilian butt lift craze, especially in Miami, where it's so desired. There are multiple surgeons giving it out. And then dozens of recovery centers that have opened up because the recovery is so painful and long, you need to go to a special place for a couple of weeks to recover. From your Brazilian butt lift.
3: Oof. I, I, I'm amazed by people who do. Uh, it's not just elective surgery, but it's elective surgery that is so um, uh, superficial. I'm surprised by people who do superficial surgery that is going to be painful with a long recovery. Man, you got to really care about the way your nose looks, boobs look, butt looks to undergo something painful, for a long time, and, of course, expensive.
2: Yeah, the interesting thing about this New York Times piece is it's got a lot of details and statistics and stories and and, and that, uh, you know, what you'd expect out of journalism. I mean, for instance, uh, it's called the Brazilian butt lift, not because it was necessarily invented in Brazil, but you think of Brazilian women having, like, you know, perky butts, bigger butts.
3: I, do, I don't, but okay. I don't really. Uh, I don't really have memorized the various uh, nationalities, uh, butt shapes.
2: American women are also traveling to all over Central America, Mexico, whatever, seeking even cheaper surgical and recovery options, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and then they go into some individual stories of women expressing why they needed a bigger, rounder bottom. Um, I couldn't feel confident to start a business or get a loan so or start a business buy a or house a until I had a bigger, rounder butt.
3: What I, I I always thought this had to do with dating or getting a mate, not so you could go in and get a home loan. <laughs> well, that's That's what's so strange. And they quote this
2: exotic dancer from Rhode Island. Everyone says that you should wait because your body doesn't fully come in until you're like 30. And I'm 20 years old. And why am I going to wait until I'm 30 to be snatched?
3: Your body doesn't fully come in until you're 30. Okay.
2: Many of the women I spoke to felt that they needed to achieve this look before they could feel fully confident or get a loan or start a business. For women perpetually left on the fringes of the beauty landscape, there is a dark twist and a serious risk to the length that they will go to in order to realize this body. I th- Let's see. What I'm, the point I'm driving at is the tone of this article is weirdly like this is great, it's fine, it's super, why wouldn't anybody do this? Until very late in it.
3: Yeah, it seems like it has an extra layer of justification going throughout it.
2: Yeah, it does, exactly. And then, you know, after a while you come to the uncomfortable conclusion that a lot of the women who, virtually all of the women profiled in this article are women of color. And apparently having a bigger, rounder booty is is important to them. To the point of they don't feel confident enough to get a loan or start a business unless they have a big butt. And at no point does anybody say, you know, what you need is not a bigger butt, but some help with your emotional health. Right.
3: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the problem is uh, if you think this is going to drastically change your life. I mean, I'm vain enough that uh, if I could for cheap and without pain change various parts of me i probably would but man to go through the expense the pain and everything like that just to look a little better it's oftentimes because you've got some much greater expectations of how this is going to change your life
2: yeah well and the the risk of complications is way high in these procedures oh i mean it's scary high
3: I've, I've told this story many times, but um, I knew a woman. She worked at this... Uh, Gladys, did you quit? I was telling a story of my past earlier, and she just sat there asleep. I didn't want to wake her up. She sits right. on the stool in the corner and just nodding off. I think she's on the horse. She's <laughs> nodding. You think she's on heroin? Yeah. or she's a just hell old. of an allegation. Or she's just old and stayed up late. I don't know. She likes the Wheel of Fortune. So I was... Well, she
2: had her uh, sad trombone player come over to, quote, uh, watch Netflix and chill, as I
3: understand. (laughs) So Gladys, the harp player, had the sad trombone player. Well, they're dating. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyway, back to my story. Gladys. There you go. Uh, I worked at a bar, and there was this, like, way above average attractive woman that worked at the door taking the tickets or whatever, taking the money on the way into the nightclub. And um, she got a major jaw operation done. And I, rem- I remember it because she had her mouth wired shut for like a month. And uh, so she had to talk like this and could only take in food through a straw. And she was like at the very top of beautiful. But she felt like... She had the tiniest underbite or overbite. I don't even know which it was. It was minor enough that nobody would have even known. And she got her jaw moved like an eighth of an inch one direction or not. huge, painful, swollen, big thing over her head recovery. And I'm like, wow. So oftentimes, my point being, oftentimes the people who do this are already people that are attractive. I think attractive people probably get more of this stuff done than unattractive people. Don't you? Hasn't that been your experience? People that were Uh, already at the in your in your top quarter of attractiveness are getting more boob jobs, chin jobs, liposuction, whatever than anybody else. Yeah, certainly.
2: um, And and I've not uh, walked a mile in these shoes. Certainly, if you are a very attractive person. And that attractiveness starts to fade as time goes on. Uh, Hanging on to that becomes a very high priority.
3: I don't know what it's like to have that be a chunk of my personality. Obviously. (laughs) So, yeah, that going away would be problematic.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy... And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
4: Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
2: jack armstrong and joe getty but resist we
4: must Yay. the armstrong and getty show
2: lon he chen is a candidate for california state controller and david and diane steffi fellow in american public policy studies at the hoover institution director of domestic policy studies at stanford university which is certainly plenty to keep him busy lon he how are you great to be with
5: you good morning
3: Joe has got a thought-provoking good question for a policy guy like you. I'm going to start with this very simple question. So I'm looking at the AP poll, NBC poll, a couple different polls, right direction, wrong direction. Somewhere between eight or nine out of ten Americans think we're headed in the wrong direction. You, Lonnie Chen, you're walking down the street. Guy with the clipboard stops you and says, is America headed in the right direction or the wrong direction? Which box do you choose?
5: Oh, I, I mean, I think it's certainly in the wrong direction, and I think the primary reason for that is because of the state of, of the economy. Okay, so there, and, that's a, you you know, you're you're a
3: wrong direction guy. I just wanted to add that. Oh, yeah. You're right or wrong? We're wrong direction. You're a wrong direction guy. That That's perfect. Okay, well, let's get into the
2: economy. It's uh, It struck me as Jack was talking about getting ready for Memorial Day, the hot dogs, burgers, and a couple oh, of condiments right. will probably cost you about $75. No
3: kidding. Uh, so, uh, Lon, uh,
2: we are obviously facing rampant inflation. Uh, stock market that's down more, well, eight weeks in a row, which is the most since 1932, folks. Um, yeah. we're, we're looking at a number of financial headwinds. Public policy-wise, because that is your field of study, what are the probable policy prescriptions going to be, and, and what will they look like as they play out, trying to control an overheated economy?
5: Yeah, I mean, the the problem is this is one of those things that, once it gets going, it is a lot harder to reverse it than it would have been to try and slow it down, if that makes any sense. So the, the primary way that we would deal with this would be the Federal Reserve Bank can calibrate the Fed funds rate, essentially the, the primary rate uh, at which money is lent, uh, and, and, and that can affect – essentially how hot the economy is going. And so the, the Fed has two missions, right? One is to ensure full employment in the economy, and the other is to watch out for, for inflation. And so how do you draw the balance between the two? Unfortunately, for the last couple of years, we've had what people call easy money. Essentially, you were able to borrow money for very cheaply, and you had a massive expansion in the money supply because policymakers in Washington, in Congress, and also both President Trump and President Biden put a lot of stimulus into the economy so when you combine all those factors together you end up with a very very hot economy you also have a tight labor market right there's pretty much people everybody who wants to work is working now and so the combination of that with historically low rates has brought us to where we are now now why is the stock market doing what it's doing why are we feeling all this pressure now because they're having to raise interest rates very quickly and quite dramatically in order to combat the inflationary pressure we're seeing in the economy. So it, the, the the short answer to your question is there aren't a ton of things that the policymakers in Washington, I mean the President and Congress, can do. There are things they can do to make it worse, don't get me wrong. But in terms of making it better, there aren't a ton of things and and tools available to them to address the challenge. It really is a question of what the Fed can do and what the Fed is doing now to try and deal with inflation.
3: You know, I'm tempted to live in the past. I like the idea of living in the now. And the future is as Joe's asking the question, "What can you do?" But the living in the past part is, why did we have to spend another however many trillion dollars to make it this much worse? Why, oh God, I wish we hadn't done that. And you know, and and Joe Biden taking credit for the uh, how good the economy is in recent weeks. You tried as hard as you could to spend another five trillion dollars. You only got stopped by one senator for spending five more trillion dollars. God, what would inflation be today? if they had, if Joe Manchin wasn't alive oh my god
5: well that that's exactly the right question i mean it's amazing if you think about how much worse even this problem would have been if they'd gotten their way and they passed that massive you know i forgot whether they called it the green new deal they they kept changing the name of it right and and at the end of the day whatever it was that they wanted to do and and here's the problem guys there are policymakers in Washington and in state capitals across the country, Sacramento being primary amongst them, who are talking about spending more still. Right. Who are talking about, well, the way that we do this is by putting even more stimulus into the economy, as if they haven't learned the lesson from what we're seeing now with gas prices and prices for milk and everything else. Uh, it, it, it's tremendously irresponsible, but unfortunately, that is where the conversation is. And instead of actually helping things, They had the potential to actually make things worse.
2: You know, I'm familiar with quotations about politics uh, going way, way back in the history of the Republican. There has always been cynicism in in politics, uh, probably starting with like the second presidential election. And there's always been pandering. But there seems to me now an almost complete divorce between what you will promise people to get to the, to the polls and what you're willing to actually do knowing it will harm the country. Because uh, I guess my question is, do the politicians who are pushing, continuing to spend money wildly in an inflationary time, do they not understand what they're doing or are they doing it cynically?
5: Um, you know, I think it's the combination of a couple different factors. Number one is I think there are some people who have argued over the last couple of years um, that there's been an alternate strain, to, to use the language of our time, there's there's an alternate strain of thinking about monetary policy, which is that actually it doesn't matter how much you borrow. It doesn't matter essentially how large your debt load is. It, 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 it just It doesn't matter, right? At the end of the day, because it's so cheap to borrow – why does it matter? It's, a, it's something called modern monetary theory. And there are some on the left, uh, particularly on the far left, who have espoused this, this notion that it really doesn't matter. And so if you buy into that and you really are a true believer, then it doesn't matter how much you spent, right? So I, I, I will give some of these guys the benefit of the doubt and say some of them genuinely do not believe they cause the inflationary pressure we're seeing today. Some of them genuinely do not believe They are responsible for the economic calamity that is impacting so many families across our country right now. So that's some percentage of them. Some percentage of them will just say whatever it takes to get elected. And and, and then when they get there, they'll deal with the consequences later. They'll figure out how to distract and deflect. And they don't really care about what it is they do or don't do because at the end of the day, politics is about the most recent outrage or the most recent way you can take a topic that has absolutely nothing to do with something else and try to turn it into the animating factor to get people out to vote because they're so angry. Um, so, yes, it's the combination, I think, of idiocy and cynicism. Uh, and, 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 and and that is that is why we are where we are today. Wow. I mean, it is it is galling to me, guys, It is galling to me that you have, uh, for example, Gavin Newsom standing up there talking about, hey, let's go out and spend the entirety of this supposed hundred billion dollar surplus we have in California. Instead of investing long run in, oh, I don't know, things we might need like water storage and roads, instead of actually doing that, we're going to do some one-time political giveaways that make him and his colleagues feel better. But at the end of the day, don't do a single thing to address the price of milk, the price of gas, the price of anything else uh, in, in, in our state or or nationally. So this is the kind of politics we end up in now, where people are so focused on what can I do to advance my political interests as opposed to saying, can we put the state in the country first? Well, wow, that is uh,
2: what you just heard is one of the primary reasons the major newspapers of California, including the liberal ones, have endorsed Lon Hee for a California state controller, which uh, keeps an eye on the purse strings.
3: Yeah. So is the way that would work if you were controller and Gavin Newsom was governor and he was proposing doling out more money when we got this high inflation? Would you be going to the press and saying, I think this is a bad idea?
5: Well, I, I think the first thing we got to do that I'd be doing is I'd be saying, how about we get some accountability for what we've already spent money on? And, and Because this is the primary challenge, right, is that if, if you don't have any sense of what the impact of your spending has been, it, I, I think it's very difficult to then go out and make the argument, hey, let's go spend more. We don't have any idea what the first $20 billion did, but gosh, the next $20 billion could be even better. And, and the point that I'm making is I'm saying, hey, slow down a second, guys. Why don't you figure out what the first $20 billion did and where that first $20 billion went? And then let's have a conversation about what you want to do with this. Because in, in my mind, we have a couple of different ways of doing this in California, right? We actually have a rainy day fund, which is supposed to be there to save for when times aren't as good. We have a mechanism that actually requires some of that surplus to be returned to taxpayers. This is a novel concept, right? A, a tax rebate when you have a massive surplus. Mm. So there are, there are a lot of different things that you could do with the money. And my basic point is California is the one state where we actually don't have accountability and transparency into how we spend money. And so it's very hard to have a truly rational and thoughtful debate. I know it's a crazy concept, but it's, it, you can't have that if you don't have the basic information. So what I would say, is, as if I were a controller, is, you know, Governor, you want to spend all this money. How about we take a look at the efficacy of the spending you, you've already passed? Mark, you just, you're just you're talking
2: crazy talk, Lonnie. You I want know. accountability for government programs? Holy cow! Who <laughs> is this guy? I, yeah. I,
3: I got wo- <laughs> I got one more question, and I don't want to be you know a wet blanket on a Friday and everything like that. But um, I remember hearing George Will saying one time one of the essence essence the essence of being a conservative is recognizing what is. And I just lay out for people what's coming this summer. I mean, is it reasonable to expect? Prices are going to continue to go up. Gas is going to be more expensive. Groceries are going to be even more expensive for the near future. Is that just a reality?
5: Yeah, I, I, I do think you're going to see um, prices continue to be elevated. I think the question is are, are how, what the trend is going to look like. Is it going to be as fast and as rapid as we've seen? Probably not. I think some of this does start to level out, but it's leveling out now at a pretty high, right. a pretty high point. And and I'll tell you, the next thing on the horizon, guys, is the R word. It is recession, because invariably what happens is once you reach this point where prices become so high, you're going to start to see people begin to say, do I want to spend $1,000 to fly to New York Mm. for vacation? Do I want to buy discretionary spending is going to go first. Right. And because at some point people are going to say, hey, it cost me $200 to fill up my truck with gas. I can't afford to do this other stuff. That's why, that's why you begin to have recessionary pressure, because the economy slows, economic activity slows, and, and that is the next thing on the horizon. So if you look at the economic forecast that a lot of major banks, for example, are putting out now, they are talking about this country being in recession when we get to early 2023. And the reason why they say that is because all of the signs we're seeing are beginning to flash yellow or red. And, and, and they forecast a slowdown that, unfortunately – has been several years in the making.
2: Well, yikes. Uh, Lon He Chen, candidate for California State Controller, with the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, Director of Domestic Policy Studies there, Lon He. It's always enlightening, perhaps not as cheery as usual today, but again, facing up to reality is, you know, what adults do, right?
5: And with that, have a good weekend.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You too.
3: God, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with a bunch of really smart people talking about how... Uh, uh, the way experts look at things, how did we end up in a situation where the market got rattled this week when Target and Walmart said something that should have been obvious to everybody? Prices are high, so people are buying a lot less stuff, so we're going to make a lot less money than we have in the past. How is that a shock to America and the markets? The markets got rattled by the realization that people are really feeling the pinch of these high prices and are going to spend less money at Target and Walmart. Isn't that wild that... It took their actual report to come in before the markets got so shocked. I mean, it's just obviously that was going to happen. Yeah, it does kind of have the feel of the
2: the palace elite are there in their uh, grand gowns sipping their champagne. And it takes a very long time for them to hear that the, uh, you know, the, the villagers are uh, really angry. And in fact, one just burnt down and things are not going well out there. They're insulated in the palace, I think. And I
3: know we're out of time, but one of the other things that somehow everybody missed was the the so-called good news that uh, consumer spending was up. You know why it was up? Because prices were up. I bought the same amount of milk and gas, but I spent more money. That didn't mean I was optimistic. It cost more. And somehow the experts missed that, apparently. It was a shock to them.
2: And then discretionary spending, as Lon, he was pointing out, disappears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Oh,
3: lovely. Because he ain't got no money.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at BP.com slash investing in America.
1: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. sign up using code champion and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, when you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
4: Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. i forewarned you.
3: Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, so yesterday I brought this up. I've talked about this before. I feel like I've crossed an age where I can no longer joke with young people. And it's weird to me. I wasn't expecting this coming my whole life. I've always joked with, uh, you know, the the person that's checking me out at the grocery store or the ticket taker at the movie theater or or whatever. Just, I don't know. It's just my personality I always have. And at some point in the last couple of years, no longer do people, like, make a joke back or laugh. They just look at me kind of confused <laughs> or scared and say, oh, okay, sir. Um, and that's it. And I, I didn't, I didn't know if like there's an age you pass, like once you hit 50, you can't joke with young people or something like that. I, I, I don't know, but it's clearly a, a true, now we did get some, you know, maybe you're not funny, but I, I think I'm the same level of as funny as I was when I was 45 and joking with young people and it seemed to be fine. So it's, it's something to do with age. And so I was thinking it was all me. I thought it was pretty interesting that I got some responses yesterday on the text line because this I find culturally fascinating. Um, young people are different now. I'm 28, and young people don't know how to interact with strangers. We got a couple oh. of those from people who are young who said, young people, I'm around other young people, they don't know how to react to conversations with people. And I thought, you know, that oh. might be. Maybe it's not my age. Maybe the, the, there's a different crop of young people out there. Social media, isolation, whatever. Oh, it's the staring at the cell phone crowd. They don't interact with their friends,
2: even with their, when they're with their friends. We all see it, the crowd of people walking down the street or at the restaurant, all staring at their phones. It's, you don't read a pamphlet to figure out how to respond to nonverbal cues or to understand what's sarcasm and what isn't, what's humor and what's not. You learn it over the course of millions of interactions that these kids are not having.
3: Wow. Well, there's certainly, and I've witnessed this myself, uh, uh, an increase in the number of people who are scared to call and order a pizza. I've seen that conversation so many times. Something that was non-existent when I was young. Yeah. It would have never even come up. If one person had said, can somebody else call? I don't want to call. It would have been like, what the freak is wrong with you? Why? But now <laughs> it's the common thing. It's like, oh, who's going to call? I'm not. Dibs, I'm not scared wow. to, so i suppose if you're scared to call to order a pizza an interaction with a stranger checking out at the grocery store could be intimidating too now we did get some of these and this might be it particularly if it's women jack somebody your age and if we're under 30 it no matter what you say it comes off as creepy okay that could be true too and i just need to recognize it cuz guys often use humor to
2: perhaps get in the outer defenses of a woman
3: but when i was 45 it was okay
2: well, 38. it's getting less and less okay. It's You're you past the Mendoza line. Sometimes 1% is what leads you from okay to not okay. The dividing right. line has to be somewhere, and you've crossed it,
3: Merv. Huh. Maybe I can look forward to becoming so old someday that I'm not a threat in any way, so he can go back to joking again. Clearly, he's not perving on me because he's like 80 years old. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, at the point that you're harmless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I I found that interesting, though, and I, I, I'm not trying to let myself and my age off the hook, but I do know that, and we've heard from other young people, certainly uh, parents that I know who are raising young people, they're different now. They're different now.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, and I think part
2: of it might be, you know, every generation has its own... Uh, ways of communicating sarcasm or humor or whatever to each other. And we're probably not hip to them, although I think it's the staring
3: at the phone. There's thing. no art. Nobody can dispute this. A 22 year old today has had much, much less eye to eye, face to face communication with other human beings than anybody else in history. I don't sure, think you can on ar- the phone. You can't, you, you can't argue with that at all. I've no. talked about driving, riding my bike across our college campus and everybody walking from building to building staring at their phone together. So they're not looking around. They're not talking to each other, walking down the street. It's weird. They wow. constantly, they, they converse some, but they never look at each other. And what you said was a good point. It's unique in human history. It's oh, it's yeah, never happened before. never happened before. Now, I suppose the beast will evolve maybe to get better at picking up audio cues because you don't look at people's faces. I don't But you're not talking to each other either. And as a former communications major, I know that over 90% of communication is nonverbal, so all those other cues are pretty damned important to communication. Over 65, Tim writes, just heard your discussion of being old, unable
2: to joke with young people. Truth like this hasn't come from the airwaves since Rush left us. (laughs) Genius. Truest form of the word. Thank you, Tim. I can't tell if that's sarcasm. Perhaps, you know.
3: Reach an age where you can't joke with Somebody under 30, I didn't realize that happened. Particularly young women, though. particularly women. What kind of bland world am I about to enter into? Or I just have to They say How about it's... quit hitting on 22. Years? <laughs> Perv.
4: and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared
2: meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality
3: care. Everything you need is here.